BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bustle Huddle Winter Olympics edition. I'm your host, Caitlin Abert. And today's episode is all about the best and most controversial winter sport, figure skating. Whether you're a diehard fan since the Michelle Kwan days, or you just saw I, Tanya in the theaters, you're going to love this episode. I'll be joined by fashion and beauty features editor Amanda Richards to learn how one butt cheek changed the Olympic figure skating dress code forever. Then we hop on the phone with 2014 gold medalist Meryl Davis to learn even more about the weird rules of figure skating costumes. We'll also sit down with figure skating expert and superfan Jackie Wong of Rocker Skating, a site that's familiar to any hardcore figure skating fan. We'll be talking with Jackie about our obsession with what's arguably the Olympics' most subjective sporting event. But first, story time. Two OG Bustle employees, Roseanne Salvatore and Alex Finkel, are here to share a funny memory about the 2014 Olympics. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, Caitlin. How's it going? Really good, because it's Olympics time, my favorite time of year. Favorite time, and I heard also a hard time in 2014. Hard time in 2014, but also a hard time in 2018. I feel like being a fan of the Olympics and working in media is something that's extremely difficult for me as a person. Right, Alex? Yep, definitely. Which brings us back to 2014 and the incident on the orange couch. I can't remember the backstory, but I can tell you exactly what happened. So tell me your version, Alex. I was really trying to avoid all the spoilers. Uh, in 2014, which was the Sochi, Sochi Olympics. Olympics. right? So Remember all the hotels were like falling apart? <laughs> And so I did everything I could. I think I like stayed off of our content management. You, you literally system. did not go into the CMS. You tried not to go on the internet. You tried not to go on your phone, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I I stayed off of Twitter because it was really important that at 8 p.m. I was going to watch it and experience the Olympics like with everybody else who was watching. What race was it? Do you remember? Yes, uh, half pipe. Somehow I don't know how I you spoiled it for me. I, it was not me. It was something that... Somebody spoiled it for you, and I happened to be sitting next to you. That's the way this story goes. Okay. Well, I felt in my head it was you who did it. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but somebody told you. All I can remember is Alex laying on her back on a couch. Was it like, no! No, it was like... And maybe I'm just, you know, rewriting history because I just saw on I, Tanya recently. But it sounded like when Nancy Kerrigan starts screaming, why, why, why? Like, I remember you in fetal position. Why, I remember why, the shaking. Also, why? I- I feel like there were, like, some tears. Uh, oh, you were crying. Yeah. Yeah, but it were... wasn't, like, a full, like, sobbing. I feel like it was just, like, dropped tears. Then you filmed it. I remember of course you taking I filmed out it. Your, you sitting next to me and taking out your phone and videotaping it. I was also crying because I was laughing really hard. But, yeah. Even if you're not laying on the couch crying, there is something that adds to the drama of the Winter Games. And that's the figure skating costumes. They're not only one of the ways the athletes communicate the tone of their piece, but they also factor into the overall score. You can't wear just anything. Bustle's fashion and beauty features editor, Amanda Richards, recently did a deep dive into the rules and regulations that govern figure skating costumes. She's here to chat about what you can and absolutely cannot wear on the ice. 
So, Amanda, have you been watching the Olympics? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. (laughs) I've been enjoying every second of it. I love it. What's your favorite part? Probably the figure skating. Like a girly girl that I am, I appreciate the figure skating and all of the artistry and, you know, theatrics that goes into it. I really, really love it. Did you figure skate as a kid? I, (laughs) that's an interesting question. I did. I was, you know, not very good at it. I was a little bit too big. I was always like a big, tall kid. Um, So on the ice, I was not very elegant. I didn't have a cute little outfit like the other girls had. My parents couldn't afford it. And also, you know, I couldn't fit it. So I had to skate in a snowsuit. Little Amanda skating in a snowsuit. So sad. Did that impact your triple axles? It, you know what? I never actually made it off the ground. <laughs> I, stayed, I stayed firmly planted on my, my skates. And my dad tells me now that I was fast, but I have no recollection of that. I think he was like, you were fast. Like, great job, honey. But, like, I don't think so. Um, and I remember wishing that I could have the little, like, uni- uniform or unitard with the skirt and look like a little, like, ballerina on the ice. And meanwhile, I look like the abominable snowman, like, mm. stuffed, you know? But. I still have, I still love it. You still love it. And you loved it enough to write this article for Bustle. What's the dress code for Olympic figure skating? Indeed. About the history of the figure skating costume and the rules and regulations that dictate what athletes can and cannot wear on the ice. Yes. It's pretty interesting. For as, as long of a history as figure skating has and the different sports within it, so figure skating, singles, pairs, then ice dancing, the rules are like pretty, pretty, um, they haven't changed much, I would say. There have been a few anomaly like situations that have changed the rules temporarily. Um, but overall, the rules are pretty much the same and they're pretty subjective to the judges. So something happened in the 80s that changed the rules around figure skating costumes. What, what happened? Okay, so in 1988, there was a German skater. Um, her name was Katarina Witt, and she wore a blue costume. And it was really cute. Uh, but it instead of having a little skirt, it was sewn to the there were like feathers on the side of it. So when she was skating, you could see like the indentation of the bottom of her butt cheek. And you it was like very scandalizing for the judges. It was on TV, of course, because it was like the late 80s. It made the International Skating Union change its rules. So for after that happened, when she wore that costume, they said you have to have a skirt. You cannot have anything that shows your butt, you know? So it has to be a skirt of a certain length. Mm-hmm. But the skirts twirl up. I can still see a lot of butt on Totally. The but if you look at these images, I've only seen images. I don't think I don't think I've seen a full video of her, but it's it's like she's wearing a bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And they didn't like that at all. Um there was another skater called Debbie Thomas the same year, coincidentally, who wore a full unitard, like with the whole body with leggings and everything, but no skirt. Also, that got banned, too, because it was, like, too provocative because you could see the outline of her entire body. Oh, my gosh. So that changed until uh, 15 years later when they they would, like, abandon that. And now skaters can wear whatever they want within the sort of outline rules from the ISU, which, again, are pretty subjective. Are the rules different for men? (laughs) Between women and men, women have more subjective rules and men have explicit rules. So, for example... On the women's side of things, it's like if you read the handbook, it says like nothing too garish, nothing too theatrical. Um, What does that mean? It really depends on the judges. On the men's side, they have to wear pants. They can't wear shorts. (laughs) They can wear these things. They have these leggings that kind of flare out at the bottom like pants, but they can't wear 
a, I mean, I'm sure there's been a skater that wanted to wear like a little bodysuit, can't wear that, can't wear shorts, can't show their legs. They have to have their full leg cover. And then there's other stuff too that a lot of skaters talk about from my research that a lot of people talk about, well, if a feather or a bead falls on the ice, you could be deducted a score for that. Like you could get deducted points and, you know, but none of that is explicitly stated. So it's really up to the judges. And then of course, just to go on a little bit, Mm -hmm. there is the argument of, you know, why are these figure skaters wearing costumes at all? Yeah. Everybody else is wearing a uniform. And the only people that are saying that are people that don't figure skate because people that figure skate are like, this is Love part of it. The costume. Yeah, yeah. They're like, this is my performance this is how I express myself. Now, some of them want to be a little bit more modest, want to be a little bit more chic and minimal and don't like the over the top stuff. But every single person that I've talked to or read has said, I like costumes. I don't want to wear a uniform. Yeah, I think for me, too, as somebody who's not that into sports, the costumes definitely bring me into it. Just like the way the music does, right? Like, depending on what song they choose, if it's a song I like or if it really fits their moment and the style that they're going for, that to me is way more interesting than watching somebody go head first down a mountain. Totally. I mean, mm-hmm. I appreciate both of I like both. I, I don't I think it'd be weird to wear a costume going head first down a mountain, but <laughs> I feel like with figure skating, it's really dance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for as vague as the costume rules are, figure skating rules like themselves about like what you need to do, I can't even I don't even understand. It, it. seems so yeah. all over the place. And yeah. the point deductions and all of that. Yeah, but even when I was watching skiing, I was like, oh, it's just who goes the fastest, mm-hmm. pretty much. I mean, yeah. there's other small things, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as figure skating where it's like, oh, she only got this much of a turn. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even down to the way that the toe of your blade lands on the ice. I mean, it's so, so specific and it's so challenging. A friend of mine, we actually got really obsessed with Team Canada. He and I tried to do what they were doing, the basic (laughs) stuff that they were doing on our feet, on the floor, and couldn't do it. I mean, neither of us are like particularly athletic, but like Mm -hmm. just the basic stuff, balance, um, standing together, moving together. Synchronicity. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's Couldn't do it on the so floor. So hard. For these 2018 Olympics, I've been watching Team China, and they've been skating together for forever. They're and they incredible. are incredible. Like, yeah. And their costumes, you know, comparatively, I would say, are pretty low-key. Mm-hmm. Um, super minimal. Yeah. And then some of the teams, I can't remember specific ones, but they do, like, the over-the-top, the plumage. The, yeah. You know, that's the other thing, too. It's like, Beauty comes into play. There's, I can't remember her name, but there's a skater that skates with her hair down. I'm like, how the wow, hell is I, that? That I would think would be against the rules for some reason. Right. You would yeah. think. But I think as long as it doesn't like obstruct your view. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not an athlete, but I'm very, very um, impressed by all of it. So are you pro costume or pro uniform? I, for figure skating, I want everybody to just like take a minute and imagine a pair of skating routine or a girl on the ice in like a spandex uniform that says USA and skating to like a Coldplay song, suddenly the whole thing gets really weird. I think you need to have the costume or else you look like you are in some sort of like weird, like industrial era. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like a futuristic, like kind of mess up industrial apocalyptic situation. I think the costumes keep it performative, Mm -hmm. you know? Keep it fun. Keep it fun. Yeah. And like, what are they going to wear? And like, how come her Mm -hmm. boob didn't pop out? And like, what (laughs) are they, you know, like, it's really, it's really cool. I love it. I love it too. Thank you so much. So fun. Thank you for having Um, me. And I'll see you on the ice. Yes. See you on the ice. 
So Amanda was also lucky enough to hop on the phone with 2014 gold medalist Meryl Davis to talk more about figure skating costumes. So Meryl, you are an ice dancer, but not a figure skater. Am I getting that wrong? Is it one and the same? Can you explain it to us? <laughs> so figure skating is actually the sport, whereas uh, ice dancing is one of the four main disciplines. And so... Um, Figure skating is comprised of men's single skating, ladies' single skating, pair skating, and what I do, which is ice dancing. So figure skating is like the umbrella to these four sports. Exactly, yes. And then you have you always been an ice dancer? So I started single skating when I was five, and I began ice dancing when I was probably about nine with um, my, my partner, Charlie. And um, I continued skating singles until I was maybe 16, and then it was... Um, it was very evident that, that I was better suited to be an ice dancer than a single skater. And what about what about your talent made you better suited for that? You know, I actually like physically I was better suited to be a single skater. The typical body type was very long, like very, very tall skaters. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm very average height, but I was terrified of competing by myself. So, you know, while I could sort of do my thing in practice by myself every time it came to competing out there on the ice without without my partner Charlie whom I had gotten used to competing with it didn't go so well so yeah I definitely became much more comfortable competing with a partner and I'm very grateful that I went that direction. I want to talk to you about ice dancing costumes because I did this story about figure skating costume regulations and how they've changed how they're pretty subjective it's like you know nothing too theatrical nothing too garish (laughs) like this kind of thing which is hard for skaters to interpret and I think reading into it more ice dancing seems like the routine is more close attached to the costume in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you're you're dead on there for sure. The costumes and like what is popular or what's in style, of course, like anything else has has changed over time. And I think in ice dance now, um, you know, maybe in figure skating as a whole, but in particular as ice dance, costumes have become more um, sort of evocative of like a modern dance type style and that as you said they're a little bit more sleek a little bit more um simple so I think you can appreciate body movement and um they're still um indicative of the story that the skaters are going for the music and the choreography that they're they're using but I think it's really nice to have something a little bit more sleek contemporary and and simple Back in, you know, the 90s, of, of course, the 80s, to no, to no one's surprise, um, skating costumes were a little bit more, yes, theatrical, but also just over the top. And there would be just like these random ribbons and pieces of fabric flowing for no apparent reason. And as time has gone on, I think the, the, the trend to be in a more like sleek direction is definitely a good one for our sport. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like I said, it seems like this intentional. And I really like what you said about how the ice dancing costumes are more reflective of like contemporary or modern dance as opposed to like costumery, which you see on like the single skaters. I wonder, too, like there's rules about things falling off on the ice and, and you know, you sort of like increase your risk of that by wearing a costume that's super ornate. Yes, absolutely. It's something that we all sort of like take into consideration not only in terms of 
you know, the look, but also in terms of safety and not causing a problem for ourselves or for other skaters. Like, for example, if you have feathers on your costume, it could really cause a problem um, if one falls off and a, a skater skates over something that could either damage their blades or cause them to trip or something like that. How does Charlie impact your the process of like choosing a costume? Like, how do you guys figure out what's going to work together? Um, well, Charlie has had relatively minimal, minimal involvement when it comes to costume, actually, over the years. Um, Charlie and I are really lucky because we grew up in Detroit, which is a huge hub for figure skating, especially ice dancing. And so unlike a lot of other, not just figure skaters, but athletes in general who have to move across the country or move to even a different country to train, um, Charlie and I were able to stay at home in Detroit and have the support of our families along the way. And so um, our moms were a really big part. And so so typically it was um, myself, my mom, and, and Charlie's mom putting the costumes together. And Charlie would have like veto power. And so if something was too crazy, he would just say, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But <laughs> overall, um, he had pretty minimal involvement with the costume. So when you think about like uh, figure skaters that you look up to, is there any like iconic costume that sticks out in your mind that you really love that you always loved? Um, You know, this as we sort of talked about the style, the last three or four years has really evolved. Um, and they're, the French ice dance team, Gabriella Papadakis and Guillaume Suzeron, have a very um, contemporary modern dance approach to costuming. And I think the simplicity of some of their pieces and, and the elegance is really well suited for their style of skating. And some I'm a really big fan of their costume choices. Um, for the Olympics this year, uh, Gabriella is wearing this really long, beautiful blue dress to um skate to moonlight sonata and it just is you know it's it's a work of art the costume the program everything in general is just um it's truly stunning and and so i'm i'm a big fan of that style as you write your life story you're far from finished are you looking to close the book on your job maybe turn a page in your career be continued at the georgetown university school of continuing studies Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. It's interesting that you prefer the more sleek contemporary looks because I've read about and talked to figure skaters that love like the the drama like the, the flair well you know the drama and the flair is certainly nothing new to figure skating um and so mm-hmm. i think we're all fans of of some sparkle and some drama and you know whatever works on the ice but i think the the contemporary approach is a little bit more it's fresh for for skating and so i think it's fun to see the the sport change and evolve i'm looking up a picture of gabrielle papadakis because i wanted to she is super minimal super sleek also, I think it's really interesting that a lot of these images of her skating, her hair is down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty wild. I, I notice that a lot I, I, for obvious reasons, people wear their hair up. Yes. That's something I always had a hard time with, wearing my hair down. Um, I, I very rarely did it in 
competition just because when you're spinning and turning and you're in the air and um, things are moving so quickly, you can, especially if you have long hair, you can sometimes sort of get lost in the wisps of hair that are blinding you as you skate across the ice. So my last question for you is um, very important. I'm doing some serious journalism here. (sighs) What out of these three movies is the best figure skating movie? Is it I, Tanya, Blades of Glory (laughs) or The Cutting Edge? Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't seen I, Tanya. Um, I've heard not I've heard not mixed reviews about like the quality of the movie because I've I've heard great things about that. But Mm -hmm. from a lot of the figure skaters and a lot of the figure skaters who, you know, sort of had their day when that all took place and and they were there, um, you know, they were saying it's it's a Hollywood piece. It's it's not necessarily reflective of exactly the way everything went down, um, Mm -hmm. which is fine. I mean, it's 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 apparently a great movie and entertaining. But um, as someone who grew up sort of in the 90s, I was born in 87. So I would definitely have to go with the cutting edge for sure. So interestingly enough, the cutting edge is the only one I haven't seen, but I take it our team has seen it because they put it on the list. You but have to see it. Yes, it's a it's a great movie for sure. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. Next up, we're joined by two figure skating super fans. Jackie Wong of Rocker Skating. I am very happy to be here. And Bustle's own Alex Finkel. She's back. Yep. Super, <laughs> super excited to be here too. So I wanted to have you here, Alex, because I thought maybe you could start off and with Jackie's help, talk about how you fell in love with figure skating and some of your favorite figure skaters from the 90s. The earliest I can remember watching is the 1994 Olympics, which is kind of funny because obviously that's the Olympics that everyone knows as the, you know, Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya debacle. But I have no recollection of that, actually, at all. And I think it's because at the time I was only five and my mom shielded me from it. I fell in love with figure skating and then I wanted to become a figure skater myself, even though I knew I wasn't ever going to be really good enough to be on the Olympics or anything. Did you have a favorite figure skater who you were like, this is this is the person that I want to be like? So my favorite figure skater probably of the 90s is Siri Bonnelly. Uh, my mom always just kind of pointed her out as being this really badass figure skater. And so I think I kind of just listened to my mom with that and um, and loved her for how unique and different and, um, like, innovative she was. Jackie, same question. How did you get into figure skating? And who is your favorite figure skater from your childhood? So I think Alex and I are, are kind of kindred spirits because it's about the same time and about the same kinds of things. Um, I, I, I started watching skating 92 Worlds. Um, so I, I literally just came to the U.S. Uh, my parents and I immigrated from Hong Kong to the U.S. And um, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm trying to learn English. So I'm like watching all kinds of television and figure skating came on. I was like, oh, what is all this stuff going on with the jumping and the spinning? And that was where the love started. It was like this fascination of these people just kind of effortlessly moving across the ice. And as a skater, you end up with this kind of feeling of flying. You you take a couple pushes and you're literally just off and, and you've got this wind in your sails. And so um, that's kind of where it started. Uh, you know, my favorite figure skater absolutely of all time is Michelle Kwan. Can't deny the kinds of influence that she's had on U.S. figure skating. 
Without Michelle Kwan, I probably would not have stuck around with skating as much as I did. And especially now when you look at the U.S. team, they're mostly Asian Americans. And I wanted to know what impact that had on you and what you think that message says and sends to the rest of the world that, you know, this is what America looks like right now. Yeah, there's always a a thing of role modeling and precedence. And Michelle in the mid-90s and Christy Yamaguchi in the early 90s, they set a certain bar for, uh, you know, what little children, right, uh, who are starting off and and trying to figure out what kind of things that they want to do in their spare time. You know, they they, they see a role model that looks like them who's on TV. Um, and that's, that's where you, where I think you got that proliferation of Asian American figure skaters. Yeah, it, it speaks to the diversity of our country it, it, and it speaks to the diversity of figure skating. I love that. And I'm like so excited to watch. One thing I know that's come up a lot, especially in the conversations about Tanya Harding, is the fact that she couldn't afford a lot of the costumes that Nancy Kerrigan could afford, right? She couldn't wear like a Vera Wang costume and she made her own. Um, do you think that class plays into who is allowed to be a figure skater and who isn't and who's successful and who isn't? So I think it it really depends on the opportunities that you're given. I mean, if you look at a Nancy Kerrigan and she came from humble backgrounds, she came from a middle class, lower middle class family as well. It wasn't that she had all kinds of money and that she was able to spend it. Figure skating and I'm being perfectly candid about this, figure skating is a very expensive sport. Um, ice time, equipment, coaching, all of that stuff, there, there is a barrier to entry that um, that you need to cross in order to even like start doing something. And, you know, U.S. figure skating has, has tried to make it more accessible to um, to younger skaters, but you know, ultimately, it it comes down to sacrifices made by the parents, sacrifices made by family, friends, whoever it is who support you, um, and more and more so. I think class has become less of a differentiator in who kind of comes into figure skating, um, and in the U.S., it's a different story than in other countries where you know maybe this you know the country actually sponsors a lot more of its skaters so um you know it depends on where you go uh, but in the u.s I, I you know background always plays a role but um there has been more and more support these days i think that that's that's probably true and obviously there's ways that people who really want to do it can you know i think that that's it's art right but there's also drama <laughs> um, so much drama. <laughs> what is like some of the drama that really like got you interested in this sport, Alex? Kind of like the wars between the different skaters and like four years ago, all of the judging drama, like there's all this discussion over who should always make the Olympic team. Um, and I find that really interesting just because it's so subjective. And, uh, and so I found that following that and seeing if I can ever predict what, what the judges are going to do and who they're going to pick is really interesting. Well, the the funny thing you, uh, you mentioned Siri Bonnelly earlier, one of the dramas that I remember from when I went from my childhood was when she was on the medal stand at 94 Worlds and she like ripped off her medal because she just did not agree with how she was played. She thought she should have won. 
Um, and she just she was like making a statement there, and that was one of the things that I really remember. And you know, subsequently, four years later, she did that black backflip in oh yeah in, the in ninety four yeah so ninety eight or ninety eight yeah that was I mean because she knew she wasn't going to medal, so that she did the backflip even though and she landed it on one on one foot even though that was unheard of. So she thought like maybe she could get away with it being, even though she knew she wasn't going to medal, with it being allowed or a legal move because it was landed on one foot, but still judges called it illegal. Yeah, I don't I don't think she ever thought they would have called it legal. <laughs> I think that was just a, literally a middle finger to the judges and and like, hey look, it's my last competition. I'm and not I'm gonna medal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so I have to ask what did you think of I, Tanya? Oh, boy. Um, I, Tanya is a great movie. It is maybe factually not the most correct thing in the world. And and I don't think they really made it to be like a, it's not a documentary. And they they're very clear about that. And so, you know, it's brought all of that back to the forefront. And it's like it now influenced an entire generation of of newbies to the Tanya and Nancy scandal. You know, I think what we in the U.S., also miss a bit is the fact that in places like Japan and Russia, figure skating is huge, still huge, always huge every single year and not just in the Olympics. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about how figure skating's popularity has declined. Yes, it may have declined in the U.S. from the craziness that was in the 90s but you know it's it's building back up again in the u.s but it's huge in in other countries right now around the world final question it's a fun one all rules are off you're the best skater in the world what's the song that you're going to do your gold medal we'll be talking about it for the next 50 years performance too (laughs) but i've never thought i really haven't thought about this I don't know. It's it's really tough because I I am of the belief that I want to skate to something that's original and different. And so if I told you I wanted to skate to Phantom of the Opera or <laughs> Rachmaninoff, it would just be completely off kilter for me because of the all the figure skating programs that I watch. I literally just count out every single time I hear Phantom of the Opera and I die a little. If figure skating music never existed and I didn't have to think about overused music, I probably would use Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. 2 because that is, it's a grand, grand piece of music. Alex? So I think I'm going to go with Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it and like, I, I love the idea in figure skating when the skaters really can tell a story. And put in some awesome dance moves in there, and so I think I'd I'd choose that. It would be really uh, ridiculous, but I think that's what's great about so much of figure skating. And now you have lyrics, so <laughs> you can totally do it. What other songs do you think are overplayed? <laughs> um, well, Phantom of the Opera for sure. Um, this year, for some reason, Moulin Rouge, the soundtrack for Moulin Rouge, has been huge. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> so good. But there's only so many times I can hear Tenko the the Roxanne um, because it's uh, with figure skating. What happens is you're a figure skater and you watch these programs. And you're like, oh, this music speaks to me. I totally want to do this. I could totally do it better than you know X person can. And and then you go skate to it the next season and you're like, oh. It's literally just a snowball effect of 
people doing it over and over again. Uh, but Moulin Rouge this year, Les Mis was a big one a few years ago, uh, I think at 2014 Olympics. <laughs> My personal favorite slash least favorite is Michael Buble's Feeling Good. I don't know how that became a thing in figure skating, and especially not just feeling good, but Michael Buble's mm, feeling good. I think he's just like a parental crowd pleaser. But actually, the, uh, this year, watch for Carolina Costner's um, Celine Dion short program. Perfect. That makes the per- most amount of sense to yeah. me. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thanks thank so you. much. That's it for our show. Did we get a gold medal? Next week, we're sharing Bustle's award season pledge to recognize female filmmakers. And we have an exclusive interview with actress and now writer and director Heather Graham. You know, I tried to make a movies about women for about 10 years, and I just felt so frustrated that I thought, I'm just going to write my own movie. This show was produced by Julia Shu and Anna Parsons. We want to hear what you love most about the show. You can reach us at huddle at bustle.com. I'm Caitlin Aber, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>